I'm Dee Malo Roberts, stage and studio on Arts Watch. We're listening to some amazing voices from Black Nativity by Langston Hughes. This was performed in 2022 by Passanart, a theater company. Passanart is the oldest black theater company in Portland, and Black Nativity has been their almost yearly holiday show for several years now. It runs November 25th through December 10th. Black Nativity was first created by Langston Hughes and performed in 1961 as a retelling of the Nativity with gospel music and so much more. With me to talk about Black Nativity at Passanart is the artistic director of Passanart, Jerry Foster. Hey, Jerry, welcome back. Hey, Demay, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been many years since I've I've done an interview with you. Said so, certainly not during Arts Watch. So it's it's great to have you back on on the show again. So how many years has Black Nativity been produced at Passing Art? How many years have you have you done this? Oh, I want to say nine nine years. Yeah. When did you start performing it? See, now you asked me a question. That's back in the nineties when we did it. Oh uh, wow! And the first time we did it, it was with. Uh, Janice Scroggins at the piano. Oh, yes. And we were doing it it with kids, two years with kids. And someone said, well, when are you going to do the adult version? I said, next year. So that's how that came about. You also, I remember, I think you did a virtual version during the pandemic, didn't you? We We did a show called Joyful Sounds. Uh, That was a virtual one that we did during the pandemic, yes. I, I got to see it before the pandemic, and it was such a beautiful, it was 2016, no, it wasn't that long ago, but it was at a church, and it was, uh, I remember Shelley B. Shelley was in it, too. It was done at Bethel AME Church. It was first done with um, Greater St. Stephen's Missionary Baptist Church, um, and then we moved over to Bethel because of Greater St. Stephen's, we we packed that out, so we needed to have more space to expand. Probably another reason why you're at Portland Five this year, because so many people want to see the show, right? So yeah. I remember that church was completely packed when I saw it. Yes. So yes. yeah, it is a joyous experience for people who have not seen it. It's got gospel music and it's very spiritual, but I didn't feel like it was religious. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, one of the reasons for for doing it was to share the music. That's what we came up with. We wanted to be able to share the music without anyone feeling like they have to belong to a denomination or or belong to a church that anyone could come in and and, uh, see it. It was interesting. Once we was having it at the church, when when we were rehearsing at the church, people were coming in off the streets and sitting in, in the sanctuary, thinking that we were actually having church, <laughs> you, you, you know, and 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 it was in, it, it, and and so even the audience itself is made up of people who who don't belong to a church, you know. A lot of the audience people who don't go to church, 
but then they want to they want to come and hear some good music and that's what we have to present to you you know we're not we're not we're not there to say hey join the church or anything like that no we're there to create art and music is art oh and gospel music is just so uplifting too and I, I did consider it a spiritual experience in that it just made you feel good, you know? Do you think that's the appeal of it? I think so. I think also what was the appeal of it when we were doing it in the church was that people could get up and dance, clap, and sing along. Now that we're in Brunish, you know, you can still clap and sing along. If you want to dance and you have to come down out of, out of the seats and, and do it on the floor because we don't encourage you to do it you know, right where you're sitting, you know, standing there in the seats. And so, uh, uh, yeah, that, that was the appeal to it, that people felt free. They felt happy. And in many cases, they felt uplifted. What are some of the songs? Oh, gosh, you had to ask me that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mary, Did You Know, No Room at the End, Most Untraveling, to name a few of them. And those pretty much standard songs. You you may call them standard, but for people who aren't as familiar with gospel music, I think this will be such a wonderful um, primer, you know, in many ways of an introduction to gospel music if you haven't, you know, been immersed in it as much. It's very, very educational as well as uplifting. Passing art, you know, we talked a little bit about the pandemic, like you producing um, a virtual version of the show. And, I, and I'm wondering, you've weathered so many storms at Passing Art because it's been around since, it's, it's actually more than 40 years, isn't it? 1982. There were so many challenges during the pandemic, and especially the loss of Connie Carley, your managing director, and generally just such a wonderful, wonderful lady. What have been the challenges as a company as you're getting back after the pandemic? Well, you know, we face the same challenges in, in other theater companies, even here or throughout the country. You know, a lot of folks are not returned back to the seats. And then a lot of and then there are new works that, that really that need to be done that they're not going where they're not familiar with, you know, those types of challenges. And then with us being in Brunish the challenge is, is is getting people acclimated to this is where we are so you can come back to to see what we have to offer and you know being downtown and with downtown getting a lot of negative press and stuff, things like that folks are a little apprehensive they're already apprehensive when it because of the pandemic but this made it even more so you know with the negative news coming out of the uh downtown portland which which is still a good place you know it, and is negative news just negative news? There's just a few, like in any neighborhood, there's always going to be somebody that's going to do something. But I think downtown had more of it because of what had happened, you know, during the uh, protests and the whole bit. Yeah. So our challenges aren't as different as anyone else's challenges. You know, um, we just, like I said, we want to make sure that we can get more and more people in the seats. Yeah, I think, like you said, a lot of theater companies have had challenges in getting people back in those seats, right? And and also, they've suspended some of them, their seasons. And so the fact that you are still, you know, pushing forward is commendable, especially with a staff of three. So you, you all are doing a lot of work, each one of you. I also assume that the board and probably there's a lot of volunteer help, too. 
there is some volunteer to help and there's some help from the board, yes, you know. But the bulk of it is what we're is what we're what we're doing, you know. And we're not doing anything differently, you know. It's just um the desire to do it is stronger. And we wanna make sure that we entertain people, you know, when they come to our shows and that's what it's about, edutaining. You know, a lot of folks don't know the history of black theater companies, of black theater, period, which actually started in 1823, you know, in New York. And can you imagine the the the, the amount of obstacles that they faced to do it? But but they did it, you know, and and as they go down through years, through the 20s, you know, 30s, the 40s, the 50s, even the 60s, you know, black theater has been on the forefront and, and continue to to do works for us, you know, but written by us, you know, and with act and with our, and with actors to have some work in which to do what they need to do. So, you know, there's always going to be those challenges. Yeah, I, I I hear that a lot, especially, you know, when you said edutainment. So that's so interesting to me because I always feel like theater can be a way to educate as well as entertain. But I think that theater especially has the potential to change minds, you know, to to open minds in a way that maybe other types of entertainment might not, you know, because it's so personal. Yeah, we, we use theater as a platform for discussions of issues that affect our community. And, you know, you retain more when you when you're actually a part of that experience. And so using that in that effect, we're talking about entertaining you, you know, and also educating you to the different subject matters that happens in the black community, as well as expose you to different playwrights that are that are out there um, and with new and old works, you know, there's a lot of work that are still on the shelf that hasn't been seen. You know, I think about it. One of our one of the playwrights that was part of the the PNMC festival won an adult core award in, in in New York here recently, and so that says a lot about the works that are out there that 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 just need a platform, you know, in order to be seen and and to be exposed. And then you have actors that are that are still moving about, but not getting the uh the the proper amount of exposure that they need and not just from the from 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 the black community itself you know um a lot of them are new to the black community but also to the community as a whole you mentioned uh, the award what was that award again delco award oh uh, delco. delco where did that in, happen in new york not only did she win for uh, uh best ensemble but two of the uh of the actors appeared at the festival here in, in Portland. Who was that, the, the playwright that won? Jeanette Hill. Oh. Two of the actors from New York came to Portland for the oh, festival. <laughs> and, uh, they, and they won. As a matter of fact, um, it's not the first time they won an Adelco Award for doing anything. They won Adelco Awards for acting. Yeah, so it, we, we're, very, we're very proud of that. Yeah, for the PNC was the Pacific Northwest Multicultural a festival that you did last summer, and I got to interview Regina Taylor and got to meet her. It was a very special experience, actually, uh, meeting a lot of the people there that the artists that you brought, you know, that Passing Art brought. She just won an award also for her one woman play that was directed by Felicia Rashad. 
That's so awesome. Yeah. So you talked about being downtown and being at Portland Five and and letting people know, you know, what that is and just sort of making it so it's not stigmatized as much. But I also wonder, you know, back in the IFCC days, you know, I think Pass and Art was really associated with the Interstate Firehouse Cultural Center Theater. Now I understand that there are plans to move to Albina Arts Center. Do you want to give give us a little update about that? Well, the the Albina Arts Center is going to be is is is, is going to be a center where we provide the arts to the community. Okay, we're not moving our shows there because it's not it's not conducive to do that. But however, a lot of the things that we do. From the community in the community, um, we're going to offer there also. Um, we do our play reading Mondays at the uh, Albino Arts Center, you know, and so that's one of our biggest things that we're doing over there. And also, too, we started working with young people out in New Columbia, and so the kids out in that area. So eventually, we want to be able to bring them into the center so that they can continue to uh, expand their horizons. In, in different facets of the arts. I don't know if it's still happening, but at the festival that we referenced, I, I was able to talk with S. Renee Mitchell, and she said that she might also, you know, be part of the art center too. Is that is that still happening? She's still she's still there doing doing her doing the works doing the works in the arts. Yes, she's still there. Yeah, she does work with youth. There's a lot of collaboration possibilities there. That is that is it, right? We've all we we've been working with. Uh, I am more Renee's program for 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 a number of years now. We've always supported her and supported the organization because of the work with the youth and to provide them with access to not only the arts but also provide them with some some skills that they can take out into their lives. So the art center is not as big to be conducive to do theater there, huh? No, it's not. Oh, that's too bad. I thought it would be a really nice location. I know that you're a longtime Portlander, right? The history of that is is uh, actually it's been around for a long time. As it first started as a, it was a church that was built in the '60s. I don't know if you can give us a little history of that. No, I it was it, the Albine Arts Center was before my time, pretty much. <laughs> my experience with it was with the person that was running it at the time this was this was during the late 70s early 80s well that's that's still pretty significant was there a significance of the center for you for it was sort of the the hub or the the center of the black community at the time that is that is my understanding yes yes when i when I first was exposed to it, they did have kids over there, but but they had like a workforce program over there for young people. People that were running it at the time had, had printing presses. They were teaching the youth how to run printing presses and things of that nature, teaching them some skills that they could that they can take with them. Well, you mentioned that you have the Monday reading series. That's a monthly series. And so I was pretty impressed that you, you know, doing a, a season of three three shows, but also doing this monthly reading series, which is a lot to take on. I was surprised too <laughs> that, that we could that we could uh pull that off. But it, it became easy because you know there are people here who would much rather go to see a reading 
go sit and listen to a reading as opposed to going to see a full production. And so we decided to let's offer this for those who want to do that. And plus, it gives us an opportunity to utilize a lot of those plays that are there that doesn't usually make it to the main stage, you know, but we can do it in play readings and then we can kind of gauge the audience response to that. And then we give that feedback back to the uh, to the playwright and then they take it from take it from there, what they want to do from there. I know there's an emphasis on newer plays. You know, everybody wants to do the world premiere and the original plays, which is has its place. But there is also a wealth of plays that have never been produced in Portland. You know, I'm thinking also of Blues for Alabama Sky that you did recently Pass and Art did recently by Pearl Clegg. You know, I don't, I, I don't know any other company that really has produced Pearl Clegg other than Pass and Art. Yeah, we did several of Pearl's plays. Uh, one was Bourbon at the Border. Another and Flying one, West. And I Flying remember West, that one. Correct, yeah. Correct. And then we did a reading of her of her newest play. And so, yeah, it's just like I say, it's it's called edutainment. People would good works, great works, you know, and pulling it off the shelf and saying, okay, let's do this. Even though it exists, when you think about Pearl, you know, Clegg, you know, you down South and back East, she's very well known, you know, and here we're just trying to bring her to the, we're just trying to bring her to the stage and bring it to the light. Oh, and you do, you do. Um, full disclosure, I want to say that I'm directing a play for Pass and Art, which is Johan by Philip Kangatanda, and that's the final show of the 2023-24 season. But I also wanted to do a shout out since we're, we've got this platform um, on the round dates of that, and that's March 29th through April 21st. What else is ahead for Pass and Art after this season? You know, what are some of your goals? Well, let's put it this way. Like you said, we are doing a large body of work, getting ready to start working on the festival, which is in 2025. That's one of the biggest things that's out there. We're also looking at doing our summer summer program that's out there and um, continue to do more of the uh, Reader's Theater series of these new playwrights and, you know, and as old established playwrights. You know, a matter of fact, it's, it's interesting that a lot of the plays that we have have done has been, you know, playwrights that no one has heard of. We we did one by Gus Savage, two old men just sitting around talking. You know, was one of, was one of the ones that we did. We also that was the title, yeah, wasn't it? That was the title. <laughs> two old men just sitting around talking. You know, uh, we did several other plays that that are out there. They, they escape me right now, but it was it's quite interesting the work and, and choosing the work to do and to be bringing out the new exposure. You know, for that work because you think about a play. Uh, someone asked me one one time, "How do you come up with the theme and know what to do with that?" I said, "You know, there are several stories buried in within a play." And you pick the story that resonates with your audience out of that play. And so then people begin to get that, then people get that exposure from there. You said that you were going to start planning the festival, the festival after the season's over, but I know you, and I know that you're probably (laughs) thinking about plays that you're keeping on the back burner, you know, as possibilities for the following season. Am I, am I wrong in that assumption? No, you're not wrong. I have a list. I have a list 
on paper and I have a list in my head. And then I'm steadily being um, inundated with some scripts. I like to do some do some more plays that that touches on the issues of a, of a homelessness and, and because it, we still need to keep that out there. Not only that, you know, we still, there are still some works out there that deals with, uh, that deals with domestic violence. And, you know, it seemed like, seemed like after the pandemic, everything has, has risen to a different, to, to a higher level. And, uh, there are, there are plays out there that's about love. You know, and, and 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 there are plays out there that 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 set your mind to thinking. So so yeah, and with the festival, we're able to bring a lot of that work in here and give that work exposure here. You know, with these new playwrights, established playwrights, and the whole bit. You know, so so yeah, there's always something on the horizon. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they're also the readings are a good way to sort of test the waters too you know, especially audience reaction. True, true. Yeah. It's a valuable experience from a producer point of view as well as a playwright point of view, I think. And from an audience point of view too, because, wow, I never heard of that before. Or, wow, I never thought about that, you know, in terms of in terms of the subject matter. And so it gives you a whole new world of experience, you know. Exactly. And and it also gives you exposure to artists that you might not have had exposure to because you, you you know as a reading you can bring in you know more emerging artists or newer artists in town or people that you know might not be have that name recognition. Not only new artists, but you're also talking about directors here in the Pacific Northwest. You know, and uh, they're very good at what they do. You know, and, but but it's just a matter of reaching across, reaching I want to say reaching across the country to bring them in, but also yeah. to at the same time, yeah. those readings, those plays give us an opportunity to look at the local talent that's here. That someone say, you know, I really want, I want to direct, you know, you really want to direct. Okay. You know, be careful what you ask for because you're going to get it, <laughs> you, you know, and, and, and give you, give you, give you a play because we all have to start somewhere. You know, theater is a very, especially be, working in theater and theater artists, it's, it's almost like, you know, you're testing out relationships, too, to see how you fit with each other. That's a big I don't know, factor in working with people. That's interesting because there are people that you that you may not get along with that do great work. But you agree to work together on this project. Right. This project work. You know, there are those out there that that have that that knowledge, but you're not exposed to that. And of course, you want to see who it is that you can, yes, see who it is that you can work with, you know, and see who it is who you want to work with. It's always that factor. But then again, there, like I said, there are those that, that you agree for this project that we're going to work together on this project. And you can't do any of this work without fundraising, too. So I was really happy that I think this isn't the first time that Passanart is part of the Willamette Week um, gift guide, too. I don't know if they give you totals or anything, but do you know how it's going with the, the gift guide and, and Willamette Week? Well, you know, it's the holidays. And with the holidays, folks are holding on to what they have because they're out of town and the whole bit. But let's wait till after the after this holiday is over with, towards the end of the year. Then you know, then that's when you gauge because a lot of giving happens towards the end of the year. It's end of the year donations for that tax deduction. But remember that, folks. There's a tax deduct. It's tax deductible. That's what we always say. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it helps. It helps. It does. And the give guy gives us an opportunity to be out there in front of people who, who may not have known about us. You know, the same as being down at Portland Five. The good thing being at Portland Five is that we have a whole new audience coming in this, that, that have discovered us. Even though we've been here for 40, going on 42 years, you know, they have discovered us, you know, and like the work that we do. And we want to continue to do that work. You know, but we can't do that work without uh, a lot of time without the funding. So that's a little plug for fundraising uh, for us. <laughs> but definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> well, it sounds like somebody's trying to call you, but I'm going to wrap it up here. That uh, part of fundraising is also just discovering what you said about discovering people is also, you know, for those of you who have just discovered Pass an art through this interview. You can catch the 2023 production of Black Nativity running until December 10th at the Portland Five in downtown Portland. For tickets, visit passanart.org. You can also find links to Pass an Art Theater and Black Nativity on stageandstudio.org or orartswatch.org. Jerry Foster, it was so great to talk with you today. Any final words you want to give us? You know, it's been a while since we've sat down and talked. You know, and so I'm 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 looking forward to the upcoming production of Yoen. I have many questions for you about that, so, which will which will table for another time. But it's it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Jerry. You know, hang in there because you're doing good work and it's needed work. And I really don't know any other black theater in town right now. You know, that is doing a full season like you are. So, kudos to you. Well, you know, uh, when you're talking about the other theater companies in town and the whole bit, everybody's going through the same thing. So let's get out and support those theater companies um, and go see a play. We don't just do like that billboard movies. says, go see yes. a play. Go see a play, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Jerry Foster, artistic director of Pass and Art, I'll see you soon, and thanks for taking the time today. Okay, Dmay, thank you for having me. That's it for Stage and Studio on Arts Watch. Till the next conversation, I'm Dee Malo Roberts. <laughs>